Rebecca Stokes and welcome to Strategy Bytes. I am the co-founder of Oak Tree Talent Group, a specialist strategy and transformation recruitment agency. Strategy Bytes is a compilation of career stories and insights from the market's most experienced executives. Many have gained their strategy toolkit from management consulting. In each episode, we ask the best of the industry's talent to share the highs and lows of their careers and the best bits of advice they've ever been given. They will give us a glimpse of what their day-to-day lives look like now, warts and all. Our aim is to give inspiration to the ambitious strategists out there and give them an understanding of what is possible. In each episode, we will ask guests for a read, watch or listen to recommendation and a quote or value that they live their lives by. So my next guest on the Strategy Bites podcast is the very well-travelled ex-BCGer Josh Taylor. Josh is the Vice President of Strategy and Insights at PepsiCo North America and is also an ex-principal from BCG. So welcome to the Strategy Bites podcast, Josh. It's really great to have you on the podcast. And I understand from our chat um, a couple of weeks ago that you've actually got a lot of your BCG cohort from Australia that have already been on the podcast. Do you guys still keep in touch much? We do every now and then, but it kind of, I was, you know, scrolling through my LinkedIn feed and I saw some, some friends of mine from the past. You had uh, Alan Israel-Stam on here for a little bit and you had Adam Jacobs and I, I thought to myself, well, that's really interesting. I haven't, I haven't talked to those guys for a little while and it seemed like a lot of fun. So I thought, uh, I thought I'd I'd get on here and, and (laughs) see if I, uh, and see if we can have a good chat. See if you can inspire some younger, um, younger uh, BCG years, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because it's not until you mentioned that to me that I actually realised actually a lot of this um, this season has been um, BCG years, not by any um, direct like not intentionally. It just happened that way. So um, you can uh, add to that. <laughs> um, but Josh, for those that don't know you, um, would you mind just giving us a brief overview of your career history to date, please? Sure, I'm happy to. So I started as an associate at BCG in Sydney in 2005 and ultimately left as a principal in 2015. Um, And I was pretty lucky. I found my passion for consumer products early on and really pursued that in my post-BCG career. So I've spent time at Kraft Foods in brand marketing, uh, strategy and revenue management at Keurig Dr Pepper and I'm at Strategy and Insights now um, at PepsiCo Foods North America. And, you know, I guess we'll talk about it, but through all of that, I, I got to travel to quite a few interesting places as, as part of that career, which is, you know, I've been very blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah, amazing. And so you're an Aussie living in Dallas right now. I am, yeah. <laughs> and how is that? Oh, look, Dallas is a great city. It gets a bad rap i mean um but it's perfect for raising a family and building a career it's way more cosmopolitan than people i think who don't live here would recognize i mean it's kind of a hidden gem in some ways you've got this city which is like the fourth largest city in the u.s after new york la and chicago and no one seems to know about it so when you live here you kind of like that because it, it it's your place and not too many people come here not too many tourists but uh you know, it's it's wonderful for my wife and I. Uh, amazing. And you just mentioned to me earlier that it was, um, you know, very, very hot over there at the moment. It's pretty hot right? here right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the one downside. Yeah, so we were joking that it's 105 Fahrenheit, which um, is more than 40, I guess, in, 
degrees Celsius, but uh, wow. you know what, you, you get used to it and it's not, you know what, it also gets that hot in Australia, so it's not too dissimilar. Yeah, not right now. Have you heard we've had shocking weather recently? So I have, yeah. I saw the news on the rain. Yeah. <laughs> yes, not ideal when you're trying to attract people to Australian market. But anyway, <laughs> um, look, Josh, one of the reasons I was really keen to chat to you on the podcast, um, despite the fact you've had an amazing strategy career to date, is the fact that you have worked in um, and lived in so many places around the world. Um, Finland, Dubai, San Fran, Holland, Illinois, and obviously Dallas. I've probably missed a few out, but... Um, I think, you know, obviously now that travel is back on the cards again, um, your experience is going to really be interesting to those more junior consultants that have not yet had the opportunity to work offshore. Um, but what, let's go back to the beginning of your, of your career. So you started off as a, as a chemist, is that right? It is. Yeah. Um, hard to believe, but that's true. And then you went into consulting. So what was the reasoning behind that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, but the truth is when I started out in consulting, you know, I, I don't think I put much thought into it. Um, and you know, I, I guess looking back, um, you know, luck plays a big role. Um, but I, I don't think I put that much thought into what it meant or where it would take me. And at the time, you know, I had graduated from, uh, university of New South Wales and had you know, some of your listeners would know about the co-op scholarship. So I had one of those, I had a chance to work in industry for a little bit. Um, and I was just, you know, at the time looking for a job that sounded interesting and exciting, you know? Um, and at the time, um, and I'm not sure if you're in the market at that time, but in the early two thousands, consulting was still a fairly small population in Australia. It still is in many ways, but it was even smaller back then. And I just had, um, by chance, a couple of friends at, at university the year above me who had gone through the process, they'd applied to the, the big three and other firms. And it seemed really interesting when they told me about what they did. And I was like, you know, why not? Why, why not? It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I did the practice cases and I wasn't really expecting to get an offer, but somehow, you know, I, I got the call from BCG and I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history. It changed the course of my life. I still think about the call that I got from the senior partner at the time, sitting in my student apartment and think about that day as being like a, a different change in trajectory. But you know, that there's a lot of distance between then and now, but like, I wish I had a better story behind it. It was really just luck and going for it because it seemed interesting and then falling into it and falling in love with it. Yeah. And it seems to be that it is a, a path that people take when they're not 100% sure what they want to do. Um, uh, but it sounds interesting and there's a lot of different things that could lead from it. So, and yeah, absolutely. But um, so your time at BCG, I mean, what were you focused on um, and how did you come to make the first move from BCG um, with BCG out of Sydney? Yeah. So, I mean, those first two years at BCG were kind of the most exciting adventure I'd ever had in my life. And I was learning so much, meeting all these interesting people and having a lot of fun. And I don't know, something clicked. And I, I was just like, man, I'm going to absorb as much as I can. All the frameworks, the art of storytelling, really watching the partners and understanding how they talk to clients and um, how they honed in on what mattered and what didn't matter. Before I knew it, two years was up. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do now, Josh? And at the time, BCG was piloting, it was a new program at the time for more junior consultants to 
to travel around the world. And I thought to myself, well, I, I don't really want to do something else. I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But it seemed like a way to me to continue that adventure and keep learning. Um, in my mind at the time, that, that made sense. It's like I get to keep doing what I'm doing, which I really love. We get to another, go to another country and do it. That sounds, that sounds awesome to me. And so, you know, I, I went for it. It seemed like an obvious step. And, and I hear myself saying this. It sounds crazy to me now that I had that mindset about it. But at the time, it just seemed like the natural next thing to do and a way to keep a learning trajectory going and really just like a whole, a whole fun adventure that I'd been on. Mm. Did you get to options of different countries or how did it come about where the next move came from? Yeah. So the waiver process worked at the time was you would pick three preferences and you would say, I'm happy to go to any of these places. And I, I picked, you know, I picked Amsterdam and I picked London and then I picked Helsinki, um, because that seemed like, you know, I wanted to go to Europe and I thought I could live in all of those places and I ended up in Helsinki. So, <laughs> um, you know, that it was my third preference at the time. So I remember getting it and being like, hey, I got my third preference. But then it was the, absolutely the best thing that could happen yeah. because I, you know, I would never have gone there otherwise. It was a small office and it was just such a blast. It was yeah. just completely different from anything I'd experienced before. And you know, still one of the most favorite experiences of my career. Amazing. And what were the projects you were sort of assigned to in Helsinki? Yeah, we did a bunch of different things. So we worked for some paper manufacturers. There was some due diligence work, some acquisitions, industrials and retail type of stuff. But um, I mean, still, it, it's kind of the, the names of the companies are different, but actually the, the thing about the skill set that you learn in consulting is it's incredibly fungible. So you can take it anywhere. And I found that the work itself was, was very similar. Mm. Um, there are cultural differences and you know, language differences, but when you get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it, it was, it was very similar to what I mm. think. Australia. Yeah. And I was going to ask actually, obviously you worked four different countries. Was it four different mm -hmm. countries you worked in over the time at BCG? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was going to actually ask you in terms of like the culture of BCG and the way things are done, is that pretty consistent or does, was there certain nuances? It is. So I would look at it this way. There's this core of strategy consulting and then this core of BCG that is the same everywhere you go. And that's, that's a truly remarkable and special thing. Um, and you still feel it as an alumni as well. And then there are these things that sit on top of that, which are nuances that you can lean into the strength of the core that you know, and then you, you sort of learn some of the other things around culture, around language around some of the social norms, but the toolkit that is readily applicable everywhere you go. And my experience was you could show up in a client anywhere in the world and within a couple of weeks be operating at a high level. And just by recognizing the patterns and bringing structured thinking to the situation, you could start adding value, right? Mm -hmm. So those nuances of culture and communication style, you know, they're there, but I thought the similarities outweighed the differences, particularly when you have a curiosity to learn about the people that you're with and, you know, actively listen to them. You can easily overcome them. It takes a little bit of time, but there's enough commonality to get you there. Mm. I suppose it's, um, it's great to be able to do that travel, but also having a bit of a soft landing because of the culture 
and the way right. things are done are quite similar. So that that's that's amazing. But I think you know, I do feel sorry for the the co the younger cohort that have just come into consulting over the last right. three or four years, being stuck and not being able to get this exposure. But I suppose you know, and everyone's quite short staffed at the moment, so they're probably not wanting them to sort of leave their their offices, but they're going to have to encourage it um, sooner or later. I would have thought. It's a different time, I guess, and also my experience is a one thing, and I, I thought about it in, a, in one way. And folks coming in now, they 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 think about it differently. So, folks, are, people are optimizing for different things. But I do think for me, it was such a formative part of my experience that it would be a shame for others to miss out on that. Mm. I think it's such a it was such a big thing, and so you know, as things open up again, I hope it comes back as a, as a key part of the experience. Mm. I'm already talking to consulting clients actually, and it is definitely something that they're, they're trying to offer. And obviously can candidates from offshore are now interested in Australia again. So I think right. it is starting to come back as, as borders are opening and all that sort of stuff, but it's, um, I think it's going to take a while to get back to a, a new normal, if you like, but um <laughs> But thinking about all your all the countries you lived in um, and and worked in at BCG, what, which was your favourite? Oh, I, I'm I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> I, uh, let me let me say they all have a special place in my heart, and I love them all um, for different reasons. And they all had things that I I was happy to leave when I moved somewhere else. <laughs> it's a little bit like picking between your children. That's not a that's not something I'm going to do. <laughs> Um, but you took an industry role whilst you're at BCG in, at Kraft in, in Illinois. Can't say yep. it, Illinois. Yeah, um, Illinois. How did Chicago, that come yeah. about? Um, obviously, it was your first step into an industry role. Um, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so I was really lucky to land that role. And my fiance was, she was starting at Kellogg Business School, which is at, to the north of Chicago um, in Evanston. So and I really wanted to, at the time, uh, get more experience in consumer products as well. I'd, I'd found that it's what I wanted to do. And I felt that taking some time out of BCG to to get that experience, no matter what happened afterwards, would, would only strengthen my skill set, strengthen my knowledge of that space. And my mentor at the time, I, I told him that's what I wanted to do. And he called a few people. And the next thing you know, I had a a role at Kraft Foods in Chicago in brand marketing. And I mean, it just goes to show the power of the network and, you know, the power of, you know, doing great work and focusing on doing a good job and building relationships and then things open up, opportunities happen. But then once I was there, I, you know, I, I threw myself into it because it, to me, it was like, th there were no regrets at the time. It felt really low risk to go all out and just learn whatever I could. So put my hand up for the biggest assignments, you know, do things that I, you know, get really out of my comfort zone and take on big things, right, when I was there. Because the worst thing that could happen was that it, it didn't work out and I would be going back to BCG, right? Um, and I, you know, I had a blast. My wife and I, we had a blast in that time. She was She was studying, so I got the experience of being a, significant other on campus i got to work in this new environment learn so much it was um it was a really special time for us mm. and where did you meet her if you don't mind me well, we met at bcg yeah yeah <laughs> but but most of most of the folks that will listen to this who know me uh they know of that story so we we won't go too much into detail <laughs> on that <laughs> it's good that you know obviously she she's used to travel as well though <laughs> i suppose it'd be yeah was sort of 
you know wanted yeah. to stay in Australia, it'd be a very different story, wouldn't it? That, that that's that's completely right. So you know that's how we ended up in Dallas. She grew up in Texas, and in the end, for any international relationship, you need to make trade offs, and our trade off was after we had gone through that period of our life where we did travel a lot. We wanted to be closer to her parents. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. But it sounds like you quite liked the US, having obviously spent four years. Was it Dr. Pepper's and now obviously your role as VP strategy um, and insights at Pepsi, um, where you run quite a sizable team of consultants. So do you think it's the the place you're going to stay long term? You know, I've thought about that. It's a really hard question to answer. I, I absolutely love my life in Dallas. I have a family here and I love my job. You know, it's not, it doesn't feel like a job most of the time. I just get up and I'm like, yeah, what are we going to do today? Um, it's really energizing for me. And I, you know, I can't at this point see myself doing anything else. But, you know, there was also a senior partner at BCG who was very influential on me. He told me once, you never know when the phone is going to ring. And that there's a lot of truth to that, right? And so, I don't think I can, I'm not willing to give it up just yet to say that my traveling days are over. And, you know, my wife and I, we talk about it a lot and we say, you know, we probably have one or two more adventures left in us. So we'll see. Um, never and, say never. and Annika, I know that's the non-answer, but <laughs> I, it's, it's the honest answer. Like I, I can't see myself doing anything else. But you never know, something something really cool might come up. So. Josh, I'll always call you. You know that if a big role comes up in Australia, I'll always be on the phone. So <laughs> try and tempt you back. Um, but as an employer of strategy consultants, obviously in all of your roles over the last number of years, generally what are the qualities that you look for in consultants? And, and would international experience on a resume appeal to you um, when you're interviewing a candidate? Yeah. So... It's not too dissimilar to what the top consulting firms look for, right? I, intellectual curiosity, analytical horsepower, business acumen, and good communication and presence. I mean, these are the, this is why you hire that skill set. And I, I'm fortunate because I tend to get to hire more experienced candidates with a couple of years or more of experience for the roles in my team. So I can also look for demonstrated impact which is really important because if you if you have that skill set and then you have a repeat history of having applied that to situations where you've delivered results, that's a really powerful thing. I'm also a really big believer in the case method. I still use it to this day. I've had to refresh it now and then because it gets a little bit embarrassing to give a case. It's like 10 years old and people are like, go on, you should modernize this thing. But it's so good at screening things so that you know where a, a candidate is calibrated versus the mm. curve, particularly if it's a case you've given hundreds of times. So, you know, that to me, that's the foundation, right? But then there's this idea um, in my post-consultant career that I've come to appreciate, which is not only being smart, but being hungry and humble as well. And I really look for that. So it's like if you're really driven at a deep level, and also able to relate to people in a natural way with authenticity and respect. Um, it's such a rare and unique combination that I've, I've found it's this like hidden X that works tremendously well in corporate roles that have a high degree of thought leadership by informal influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, 
that's really powerful. It doesn't always come with the consulting package, but when you couple it with the consulting package, that it's like, you know, you've got to hire that person. They're amazing. And and so, you know, to to get to your question on international experience, what I've found is if someone's put themselves out there and they've gone to a place that they knew nothing about and they went there and they were able to figure it out outside of their comfort zone, were able to be successful and go through that journey, it's a marker of that second thing. Not only do they have the consulting toolkit, but they also are driven and they had the humility and the ability to understand the new culture and operate in that environment to reach a level of success. So you, you, you sort of see that and it's a, it's a flag. It's like, hey, this person might have it. Now, you still got to interview them. It's not the only thing that matters, but it's a huge plus in my view. Absolutely. I agree with that. And it's interesting, obviously, Australia mm-hmm. is a fairly small market compared to some other countries and other, you know, some of the opportunities in the US or in Europe can be bigger and you have the opportunity to take on larger roles, I suppose, in some of the other countries than maybe Australia. But people tend to you know, come back to Australia for lifestyle reasons, probably more than anything. Right. But um, right. I'd always recommend going getting that experience from offshore, um, getting the different opportunities. You know, some some countries are better in certain areas than others and then bring it back to Australia and you'll be unique here. But yeah, and, and I love that hungry and humble. I think I'll be using that one in the future. <laughs> Um, and what about your family? I mean, um, you know, you've obviously settled in one location. Do they feel that they, you know, obviously in terms of the kids and everything like that, have they traveled with you or is, is it been sort of just in Dallas? It's so interesting. And I've got two boys now in Dallas and they've lived their entire lives here in the same house. <laughs> I got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So, I mean, my life has certainly changed yeah. since my consulting days. And, um, you know, we, we just got back from a, a vacation and we went on an hour and a half flight with those two boys on a, on a, on a plane. And I don't know if you travel in the U S is not the greatest thing in the world. We're not talking Columbus <laughs> level flights. <here. laughs> um, I won't, I won't name any airlines in the U S here, but, um, and, and, and so an hour and a half radius flight from where I live right now is probably the extent of their capacity for it. But, you know, that said, um, my wife and I, we moved three times in five years uh, before we settled down here. And and there was definitely a point where we decided we needed more stability at this point in our lives, which led us to settling down here near her parents. And I, I do know it, it was hard on my family people don't always talk about that piece of it, like what you leave behind. And so, you know, in, in the early days, you know, 15 years ago, video conferencing technology wasn't as good as it was. We, we couldn't have had this conversation. And so that was, that was pretty hard. And, and so I think about the role that that plays as well. And so there's time and place, but, you know, in the end, my parents were always supportive and always wanted me to pursue my interests and were incredibly very ecstatic when I got to pursue these opportunities. And so like bottom line, like I see that as such a pivotal thing that if the time and the situation was right, then it's a formative experience, right? At the right age for us. Mm. Mm. And obviously with borders opening back up, there's more mm. ability to see family and and also for obviously consultants to start traveling again and get some of those experiences like you did. 
Um, but what what skills from consulting do you feel translate best internationally? I do think it's that intellectual curiosity and willingness to put yourself out there in a new, ambiguous environment and trust that you'll figure it out. And it's a the consulting teaches you to be kind of fearless going into new situations. It's like you you get staffed on a project on a Monday and on Tuesday you're the client, on, on Wednesday you're talking about it. So it's like that that whole cycle of knowing you're going to figure it out counts for a lot. Um, and there's this level of tenacity and persistence that you learn, which helps you go through that learning curve as you're in a new place. There's so many things that you take for granted every day, like where do I go to get my coffee? You know, how do I, what types of things do people care about? What, what are the sports? You know, what's the gossip? And, and you kind of need to relearn that stuff. Mm. And so, you know, staying positive in that environment takes a, a lot of mental toughness, which I think you learn in consulting because you're often thrown into these new situations and you, and you figure them out. And I'd, I'd say that there's a relationship building aspect of it as well. Ability to empathize and find common ground with people helps a lot. You know, active listening, asking questions. Then, you know, the last thing, and I talked about a little bit, but this learning mindset and really just leaning into that and saying, okay, I'm in this new place, right? What does this person find interesting? What does that person find interesting? And, and be willing to just have an adventure even if it doesn't work out. Mm. So, I mean, not everyone in consulting is wired that way, wanting to, to jump into adventure. I've tended to find that you either have really conservative people or you have really like adventure seeking people. But mm. for those that are the latter, it, it can be a lot of fun, right? Mm. It, it, you just go out there and you lean into what you know and, and trust that you'll figure it out. And I, for me, at least, that, that's the consulting world that I came from that really lends itself to the idea of traveling. For those that are interested in sort of getting that experience offshore, I mean, what exposure and skills do you think that a consultant may be able to get elsewhere that they might not be able to have the opportunity to get if they're solely to stay in Australia? Yeah. So I've, I've reflected on this one a lot as an Australian and, and I'm an American now as well. So I, I, get, to, I get to vote here and I, I follow a lot of what's going on in this country, as I'm sure you do. And, you know, I, I think there's value to challenging your own assumptions about the world and how things work and you know I've thought really deeply about this and it's easy when you're in one place doing one thing for a very long time to become really self-assured about you know I understand why people do certain things and you know, these decisions are the right ones because you're building those decisions on a certain set of assumptions. And for me, what I've learned is getting out of your comfort zone really puts those assumptions under a microscope. And you're forced to look at yourself and ask, do I, do I really know what I think I know? Like, do I really know what's going on here for this other person or, or in this situation or in this business environment? And you're in a new culture and you realize that everyone is behaving in ways that are perfectly rational to them, but make no sense to you. And that means that you're the one that doesn't get it, not them. <laughs> and you're forced to kind of clear your mind and really listen to other people and understand things from first principles, rebuild the heuristics that you rely on. And that process 
strengthens your mind. It makes you a better thinker. It makes you a better strategist. It makes you a better people person. Um, you get better at nuance, get more thoughtful. You can make more impactful decisions. And then the more times you do it, it gets easier as well. Mm. So, um, I'm not saying that's the only path to, to be good at those things, uh, but it's the path that, that I took and I have seen other people do it as well. Um, the, the depth of thoughtfulness and consideration to all of the nuance that might matter in a situation, people who come from second, third culture, um, people who are third culture kids where they grew up in another country that's not their own culture, they tend to have these qualities in a way that really stands out to me. Mm. And what do you think the major differences are though? Between Australia and internationally? Yeah. Yeah. We could spend hours talking about this, <laughs> Annika. <laughs> Australia is wonderful in so many ways, but it has something in um, this idea of success not always being something that folks feel comfortable with and, you know, a tall poppy syndrome, so to speak. And I think sometimes that can be limiting. And I'm not talking about you need to walk around this Martin place with a megaphone screaming, <laughs> you know, I'm so awesome. You know, you, you can go too far. But it also doesn't need to be dirty work to want to pursue things and have ambition and have goals. And so what I've, what I've learned is particularly in America, there are folks that have, do amazing things, doing, do incredible things because they have a vision for what they want to do. It's core to their identity and they want to pursue that and they're competitive and they're confident. And those types of personalities don't exist in the world that I grew up in in Australia because it's just it's seen as being too much trying to deviate from the crowd. And, you know, I came from a world in Australia where there are more people who are more like that. But in, in general, I think as a business culture and as a country that has done so well and is so wealthy, there could be more of it um, mm. because that's the, that's the kind of spirit you need to truly build something innovative something entrepreneurial to want to be that successful and that that fire that exists that's what fuels places like silicon valley fuel places like new york that desire to want to go make a difference and stand out from the crowd. yeah um so i'm sure i'm going to get a bunch of uh dms and texts <laughs> and whatnot saying that that's the wrong point of view but that that's been my experience um yeah. there are always exceptions to that of course but, um, yeah absolutely and we are seeing more of that right we absolutely are seeing more of that happening in Australia now. So, um, yeah, I think it is changing, but it's still obviously I think having the international experience definitely does help um, sort of open your eyes to what what else is out there. But, um, okay. I mean, thinking back on all of your experiences internationally, what have been the highs and the lows? Obviously, you've talked about some of the you know great learnings that you've had, but there must have been some points where you're just like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> well, the, the highs are all the wonderful interesting and talented people that I got to meet and the gorgeous settings in which I was at them. And there's just so many memories that I have from that that I wouldn't if I hadn't done it. And on the flip side, I guess there were moments where it, it did feel a little bit lonely, particularly in the earlier days when I was when I was on my own going to these places and 
um, in, a, in a weird way, particularly around holiday times where, you know, everyone else is with their family. But, you know, that was a fairly minor part for me. Overall, if I think about it, I can count on one hand the number of times I really felt that way over that time. And, you know, I always felt like I had something to do. So, you know, in the mix, it was like 95% plus awesome and just a couple of days here and there where you're lonely on those occasions. But, mm. You know, you have to be prepared for that because those lonely moments do, they're, they're pretty tough being lonely. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like moving across cultures, what was there any key learnings that you took away? Yeah, so it's definitely this idea that you need to short circuit your assumptions, suspend judgment until you really understand the context and the culture you found yourself in. And I mean, we're also quick to judge, Annika. I mean, it's like we, we try not to, but we're we're human and you meet someone and you get impressions and you hear them talk and, and it, but it backfires when you don't understand the history and the shared beliefs and the experiences of the people that you're working and socializing with. And the amazing thing is, it's not like when you get that, when you're like, Hey, I, I keep saying things and people like just keep not wanting to talk to me in this place. What am I doing wrong? It forces you to learn different ways to interact. Right. So it's like, okay, it's really easy to learn. I'll just stop sharing opinions and ask questions with humility and genuine interest and by doing that i mean honestly like i've had conversations that blew my mind completely changed my worldview would never have happened if i hadn't opened my mind to that possibility so mm. you know it, there's something deep to that idea of just like just put yourself to the side and have the arrow pointing out and think about the other person Mm. Um, and I think, you know, you don't, you can learn that when you're in a culture that you feel that you grew up in and feel very comfortable in. I, I absolutely recognize that, but you're, you have to learn it when you go mm. to a place that's different from yours. Mm. And I don't mean just like, you know, the U, the U S Australia is, is part of that, but like, I mean, somewhere where you don't even know the language where, you know, people are coming from a completely different place from a religion or from a cultural standpoint. That's where you really you're forced and you find these folks that if you ask them hey what why do you think that you learn an incredible lot about the differences between people mm. and if you could go back and do it all again is there anything yeah. you do differently um i i don't think there's a lot because i i had such a blast through the whole thing and it's been fun to have this conversation thinking about it again um i guess you know if there's one thing i wish i'd done a better job keeping in touch with more people that i'd met during those travels you know not in a self-serving way but more as a way to have more shared experience as they grew as a person and i grew as a person you know in, in consulting you might work with like 50 to 100 people in a year across clients and different things and it's really hard to stay in touch with everyone but so many folks now you stumble across them every now and then and you're like you just reach out and you're like hey how you doing and you have a have a bit of a chat but you're like man they've done some really interesting stuff mm. right and it, i think you know on self-reflection you get sucked into your life obviously but i wish i'd leaned out reached out more to folks and sort of 
had more snippets, had more interactions with them as they were going on their own journeys. It's hard to do in practice, but, uh, you know, in reflection, just you ask a question. Yeah, I think that's the thing I, mm. I would do a little bit differently. Life, life gets so busy, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <Everyone's>, yeah. <laughs> so, so busy these days. And it's, you know, whenever you ask someone, how, how, how are you going? It's always like, I'm really busy. <laughs> um, yeah. Seems to be the common yeah. answer these days. But, um, but yeah, it is important to try. I think that's probably why you, you obviously saw some of your old friends on the. Well, I did. I did. Yeah. That's exact. That's exactly why. And I, <laughs> and I, and I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also learning about what what their experiences have been when, since you haven't been in contact with them probably was um, was great to hear about their their lives um, and what they're doing now. But but yeah, people are doing some really interesting stuff, hey. Right. So you mentioned you had a mentor at BCG. Mm-hmm. So have you had a lot of mentors or supporters over the years to be sounding boards for many <laughs> all of your moves and all of your options? <laughs> you know, I I have. I've been truly fortunate. I had. Uh, a string of um, folks that I would consider to be close mentors who I still keep in touch with today from BCG who helped. They they gave me advice. They told me when I was being silly. You know, they they really, they really, it meant a lot to me. I learned a lot from them. And then as, you know, as I've progressed in my career, formalized mentors i think i was a bit spoiled in the bcg world because that you have formalized mentors who are assigned to you and you go to the corporate world and you need to go find those mentors right and sort of just you kind of decide hey is this a, is this a mentoring relationship or not and so it took me a while to get my head around that but i've also been fortunate in my in my post bcg career to have the same so mm. Um, you know, I, I know that doesn't happen for everyone, but for me, I've been, I've been very lucky. I've seemed to be able to, to find folks that take an interest in me, see something in me. I don't always know what, but I, I'm, I'm glad they do. And, you know, are, are willing to give me advice and to help me in thinking about whatever I want to talk to them about. Um, and also willing to give me tough feedback, which is important too. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, tough love. You know, I, I the, the, the tough feedback is just as important as the, the kind counselling. Yeah, absolutely. And so what would you say is the best advice that you've ever been given? Yeah, I had a mentor at at Craft, actually, who sat me down and told me to always assume positive intent. And it's such a simple idea. And yet it's really hard to do in practice. And so, you know, that's something when I'm first meeting someone that's on my team or we're talking in team offsites about what we stand for. That's one of the values that I have um, that my team that's pushing positive intent. Because um, I've found over the years that if I center myself on that idea as a principle and you sort of like have that in the front of your mind, no matter what's happening, everything else kind of clicks into place. The content works, the relationships work, the outcomes work, and things that, things that you know, might have hit you and you're like, oh, I don't know, that kind of annoyed me. If you, if you always assume positive intent, usually you get to the real reason why someone's doing something and you can have a productive conversation and get to a great place. So um, it was a really great piece of advice. If I could follow it 100% of the time, I think I would be, I would be ecstatic. I mean, I, I do get it. I do get it right. I try to get it right most of the time, but it, it sticks with me to this day. It was a very profound thing. It sounds super simple, but it's, it's pretty deep once you mm. try to 
practice. You probably have to be very mindful with it every conversation you enter, um, yeah. thinking about that. But yeah, I love that. Love that advice. And Josh, you'll know, um, having listened to the podcast, that I always ask guests for a read, watch, listen to yeah. recommendation. So uh-huh. I'm hoping you have one for us. Yeah, I do. I Can I give you two? Yes, of course. Um, so, and, and this is going to come from completely left field. So um, I, I, in my personal life, I don't, I try not to be all business all the time. So I don't listen to like business podcasts or read business books or anything like that. I, I listen to a lot of other interesting things. And so the first recommendation is a podcast called Hardcore History. Um, it's by a, a guy called Dan Carlin. It's really fascinating stuff. He goes really deep on historic events. It's not really the type of stuff that you learn about in school. And he he's wonderful to listen to. They're super long. So they're good for like going on a long car trip. And, you know, I, I love them. So that's the first. And then the second, um, which is a bit US centric, but I think there's, you know, around the world, a lot of folks thinking about this country and you know why this why certain things are happening in this country and trying to make sense of it all so there's a there's a guy called Ezra Klein who works for the New York Times and he does long form podcasts they're super thoughtful in-depth analysis on American society and politics and he, he talks across across the spectrum of all the different types of positions influences in this country and talks to them actively to just just try to understand where people are coming from. And I've, I've personally found that really informative to try to understand this country and the differences from where I grew up. That's great. Thank you so much for that. And are there any final pieces of advice that you would like to give to potentially the junior cohort coming through um, and about oh, how gosh. to start their careers? <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? I, uh... <laughs> I think the biggest thing I can say is just to slow down a little bit um, and get the balance right between the next promotion and milestone and what you're doing right here and now. And I'm, I'm guilty of this when I was in my early days in consulting as well. It's like, yeah, I've got to nail this project and then I've got to make it to the next promotion and I've got to do the next thing. And what I've, what I've learned and, um, what I hope I could give as advice is that's, that's, that's great, right? You have to have goals. Um, but you need to be enjoying what you're doing in the here and now and, and doing it for the love or the passion of the work as much as doing it for the trappings and where it can get you. Um, and, and when that happens, when they, when, when the work and the fun and the passion and the energy you get out of it, aligns with the goals that you want as well then then everything clicks it's brilliant and you see people do that and it's like they're they're just soaring but if you're if you're in this trap of oh i've got to get to this you know next milestone and miserable um then that's not a great place to be um not not long term not for a 20 30 year career and so you know that that would be my advice just slow down and listen to yourself and ask yourself, do I get energy from this? If you do, that's awesome. Lean into it. If you don't, have a think about what do you want to be doing, right? Because there's many things that 
someone with talent who can get into a consulting gig could go do to have an impact on the world. So what, what I'm hearing is enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy yeah. The journey. <laughs> Excellent. Josh, thank you so much for your time and joining me. I think it's quite late for you there in Dallas at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not too bad. Not too it's, bad. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving up one of your evenings to chat to us and yeah, all the best. And hopefully we'll hear from you soon. All right. Thanks, Anna. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Strategy Bites podcast, bringing strategy career advice to the market. But please do remember that first and foremost, Oaktree Talent is a specialist strategy and transformation recruitment agency. So if you're a top tier consultant or want to hire excellent strategy capability, please get in touch.